Welcome to the RG Podcast Network and the RG Business Navigate series. This podcast presents topical global business stories that affect Bermuda. Series host Shivani Sepp interviews business leaders and experts in finance, insurance, reinsurance, risk, accounting, and other business services. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the RG Business Navigate series. I'm Shivani Sait and I'm your host. Today, my guests in the studio are Buddy Rigo, president of Rigo Sotheby's International Realty and Penny McIntyre, partner. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Good to be here. So, Rigo Sotheby's International Realty is Bermuda's longest established full-service real estate firm. From a local company, you joined the Sotheby's family in 2006, forming a unique worldwide network. Real estate lies at the very heart of our curiosities here in Bermuda. So I know today I'm hoping to gain a better understanding of what you do and how the Bermuda real estate market naturally functions. Obviously, I'm keen to dive straight in and ask about what's on everyone's lips, what's going to happen in the Bermuda real estate market, but I want to proceed methodically. So bear with me, listeners. So could I firstly begin by asking you both a little bit about your key responsibilities and areas of specialty within Rigo Sotheby's international realty? I handle commercial real estate predominantly, so everything from hotel, tourism, restaurants, retail, office space, industrial, okay. and we'll look at developments of properties as well. And then I also work on residential, and that's everything from condominiums to houses and large developments again. Okay, thank you. So I'm the president of the company, which means the buck stops on my desk when <laughs> everything goes wrong and little of it goes right. Um, so I've been in this position for quite some time. I've managed the agents and I've uh, shed those responsibilities uh, over the years. And um, I do some agency work as well, but uh, really I'm sort of in charge of R&D. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you for explaining that to me. So in, I'd like to understand the key areas now, residential and commercial real estate, and also rentals versus sales. I appreciate that today we'll only actually have time to touch the surface because I'm sure both of you are going to tell me there's a lot to discover here. Um, but perhaps we can have that deeper dive in those topics at some point in the future. So let's begin with the residential market. We constantly hear about a lack of sufficient housing to meet demand Rental prices seem to be rising. We're hearing about pricing wars. Could you tell me a little bit about what's happening with the residential rental market? The fact is, you're right. Uh, there is clearly challenges with inventory now, uh, and at all sectors of the market. Um, you know, there are there's more than one market in Bermuda. There's the lower end. There's the one to two bedrooms, and there's the north of ten now north of twenty thousand dollar rentals. Yes. So, sir. Um, Certainly, the biggest challenge is in the lower end of the market. Uh, by lower end, I meant in the smaller units, one to two bedrooms. Uh, there's tremendous demand there. Um, and uh, we've now recently sort of been told by our rental agents that the um, those looking for the you know, four-bedroom house with a swimming pool are having a, a, a major challenge as well. Okay. and But do you feel prices are accurate? I know, obviously, we hear about prices going up. Well, but the sa- same thing with anything. I mean, prices are settled by the landlord and the tenant. And okay. um, so we've definitely seen 
increases in prices and prices don't go up unless tenants are willing to pay the higher price. And right. that is obviously a function of, uh, of inventory, supply and demand, ec- economics 101. So okay. uh, if your answer is, are they accurate? Yes. By the time they go to contract, they're accurate. <laughs> okay. Um, but how are they assessed? You say it's between landlord and tenant. There has to be some degree of assessment or some, you know, some maths that goes into how they come out with the prices. Well, you know, it's as in sales as well. It's uh, okay. comparable data. So, you know, we, we know what's trading, uh, whether it be rentals or sales, and you okay. know what the market can bear. Well, I'm going to talk about data, but a little bit later. So I'll come back to that. So moving on to sales then, perhaps could you provide an overview of the residential sales market and any trends that you're seeing at the moment? Well, I think that everybody in Bermuda and probably everybody in the world knows that the biggest trend has been the post-pandemic fury, frenzy, I'll call it. And um, as a result of that, uh, we've seen huge movement in the market, um, both in the upper end and right the way down to one-bedroom condos. Um, That pent-up demand uh, we've seen, as as has the rest of the world, and uh, has now found us in a position again where we're short on inventory, and that has resulted in higher prices over the course of the last two years. But I would say also because of the absorption that's um, occurred that – I'll call it, it's almost nobody's market. It's not a buyer's market. It's not a seller's market. Right. Um, primarily because the absorption rate now is almost equivalent to what's on the market, if not a little bit more. So what I mean by that is that if you've got 180, 100 to 200 houses selling a year and you've got close to that number being on the market, you know, people are now no longer having to wait as long as they used to in okay. order to sell their properties. And, you know, we talk about the post-pandemic. Where do you feel that demand is coming from for the sales? Is it first-time buyers, buy-to-lets, BOTCs, international buyers? You know, it's a... All of the above, except okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, okay with the buy-to-let because uh, we hear that oftentimes. Um, I, in my very long career, have never actually participated in a buy-to-let program, okay. um, so I don't think that that is as frequent as people seem to allude to. So in Bermuda, it's more owner-occupied, they're <coughs> buying That's to right. actually live in them for themselves? That's right, most of the time. Okay. Um, you know, you're finding that the, with the price, the cost of housing is, uh, in many instances, unless it's a, a condominium where there's a higher turnover of yes. expatriate market, you're not finding the appropriate return on investment for a $5 million house okay. to buy to let. Sure. So if I move to commercial real estate now, Penny, sure. you're in the hot seat. <laughs> I'm ready, I think. Um, <laughs> can you please tell me a little bit about the trends for both sales and leasing in the commercial space? Well, I can tell you specifically as we talk towards sales first, there is a buying market. Okay. Majority of these purchasers are operating cash. So that's fantastic advantage for a buyer because they're ready to move forward and it's all about the economics when you do anything commercial. If it makes good business sense and it's a nice long-term investment and the asset has the potential to be what it was, if it's an office, industrial, uh, mixed use, or if it has conversion potential. So we have people who are also looking at the opportunity of having residential and office along with retail depending on what part of town they're in. 
And we've had higher demand, particularly with warehouse space, interesting enough. Yes, for distribution uh, centers that you look for in Bermuda, you need to have larger facilities also um, as they're discovering for certain types of uses, whether that's for boatyards, mechanics, um, medical facilities. So you are seeing a demand for particular types of uses. And just on the sales, um, you, you said they're all cash buyers. I'm curious now, are you able to say if they are local or international buyers? Well, you get a mix, and they're not 100% cash. Um, we have people who are trading in 100% of uh, cash to purchase a transaction if it's economically a better deal. Okay. Uh, we do have people who are also seeking mortgages, so if they don't want to use their own capital, um, and depends on the structure of the purchaser. So if you have, for instance, multiple owners in it, um, we do have local buyers and they right. look to great purchases that will be long-term holds. Right. And whether, as I said, they are going to reposition the asset or keep it as is. So those buyers will work <coughs> with local banks and seek out competitive commercial mortgages. Okay. Um, visually, when I look at Bermuda, or when we all look at Bermuda, I know you mentioned at the moment it's the warehouses that are high in demand. <laughs> yes. If you're just wandering along Front or Reed Street, you're still seeing a lot of empty spaces, so a lot of empty units. Are those still going to be sold? I mean, what's your what's your feeling on those? Well, the beauty is they have been sold. Are they? <laughs> so, oh, very good so, news um, today. Um, which ones are empty? Yes, I said um, <laughs> if they're empty, let us know because okay. they have traded. All right. Um, so what you're seeing is the state right between transaction close and how they're working through planning and designs and then pricing and understanding what is the best way to take an asset forward in current market conditions. Because a lot of these transactions start with a life two to three years before you see it now in a condition where they're going to either knock it down and rebuild or they're going to do a retrofit of it. Yeah, I think okay. you've seen that <clears throat> because a lot, so many of these properties have, are antiquated and most of them all being repurposed. I mean, okay. One or two has turned into a parking lot. <clears throat> In other cases, people are, are because commercial real estate, I think, has been such a good buy. And, and by good buy, I mean under underpriced, well, yes. you know, well below replacement costs that people are able to buy and hold and repurpose whenever the suit, okay. whatever, whatever they deem to be suited for. In the future. Yeah, and you're also seeing the part where they have to vacate buildings. Yes. So these that were occupied or partially occupied are now being vacated and they're going through their next <coughs> chapter of their life with these okay. properties. So <clears throat> it makes it look like a lot more space is empty now, but in reality, those spaces are going to help revitalize Front Street. And you're also going to draw out more class A space, particularly okay. as office buildings okay. and potentially some residential. Okay, very exciting. And on the leasing front, commercial space? High demand for Class (laughs) A, A A-plus space. Point House, fantastic. That was a pre-lease I'm just going to cut in. So Class A and A-plus, what what are we talking about? Sure, sure. Class A or A-plus building is very high-end space. Generally speaking, it's a newer build or it's been retrofitted. And that would have a lot of natural light. You'd have floor-to-ceiling window line, typically very centrally located, i.e. Point House, Waterloo House, and then as you go towards the west end of town and you're over by waterfront properties, the corridor along Pitts Bay Road. Okay. And then there's some streets as well when you're moving perpendicular from Front Street. So that corridor is (coughs) very much in demand by reinsurance insurance. Um, So that's what you predominantly see in that zone. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much. 
So for both residential and commercial, what are the transactional costs when buying or selling a property? Um, well, standard is obviously the stamp duty. That's a portion okay. that is usually split evenly between the buyer and the seller. Okay. And then you've got the legal conveyancing costs that are, that are involved as well. So um, that's on a progressive scale, depending okay. on the value, value of the property. Of the property. Yes. Uh, without getting into the real details, everything from 0 to 2% up to a maximum of 7% once the property is over $1.5 million. Okay. That's the stamp duty. Right. And any license fees, government license if fees? If you are a non-Bermudian, the okay. price of entry into the club yes. <laughs> is 12.5% for houses and uh, condominiums or any properties in a hotel tourism property attracts 6.5%. Okay. And is that a deterrent for people at the moment? On residential, I can tell you it has been. Um, it certainly caused a mindset when they realized it used to be 8% for okay. a standalone home, right. and then it increased to 12.5%. And our industry has advocated to government to return it back to the 8% level because people do look at that, especially when you're buying as an international purchaser. You know, It's the idea of coming into a market and saying, well, you know, these types of costs shouldn't fluctuate. Right. It should be a number, it's set, no different than your stamp duty. So when you think of it as a, as a non-Bermudian, you're paying close to 20% in addition to the, the cost right. of the yes. price of the house. Indeed. So it makes us a very expensive jurisdiction for sure. And do you think that the license fees might get reduced? One can hope. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, there's no, nobody out like there. I think so, okay. do I hope, uh, sorry, do I think? I, I don't know. Okay. All right. Thank you. Um, I'm going to pivot a little bit now. So is the real estate industry regulated here in Bermuda? Big question. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so they introduced AML, anti-money laundering and anti-terrorist funding, ATF. So each one of our transactions are scrutinized. We're okay. required to follow compliance. Each company has their compliance protocols. We are audited and it is looked at as an industry in terms of any high risks, et cetera. So we follow all the global standards. And to that end, we all are also licensed agents. So okay. we have an annual requirement um, to ensure that we don't have any infraction, infractions, et cetera. We have the superintendent of real estate. Um, and then as a working group body, we have the Chamber of Commerce Real Estate Division. Yes. And that is a membership of people who subscribe to the chamber. Not all are members but those who subscribe to best practices are. And we all agree on certain protocols of good ethics, practice, and standards. I know you mentioned affinity to London real estate. I mean, in Bermuda, in order to be licensed, you have to write an exam. Okay. Uh, unlike UK agents. The state agents do not. Do not. Yes. So uh, we do have a licensing and examination okay. and licensing procedure, which has to be renewed annually. Okay. And then you also have to have certain term requirements in order to become a broker. So all agents' licenses are held by a brokerage company. Okay. And then the broker also has to have a certain level of experience. No, very important to know because I know, again, with the question of prices and how is everything assessed, people are curious to know, is it, is it made up or is there some logic behind it or do people just come in and do what they want? So it's really great to hear that they have to firstly pass that exam before the they can even enter. The licensing procedure is important because it, yes. is, it basically tests you on the acts that are involved the, the legal aspects and accounting requirements that you have to know as okay. an agent, it doesn't teach you how to sell property. No, yeah. no. So, 
Okay, but a very important yeah. part. Just in terms of the Chamber of Commerce, you said there's a real estate division that does exist there. You know, how often do you meet and what does that body really entail? Do you manage to push things, agendas forward, change the real estate industry? If you could just tell me a little bit more about sure. that. So I sit as the chair for the real estate division okay. <laughs> and have served in that capacity for two years. Um, I am transitioning to uh, become past chair and the new chair is going to be taking over. So it is a group of real estate peers, so brokers predominantly and their agents. And there's an executive board that's formed within the real estate division. Those are leaders in the industry. Okay. And we come together, we talk about you know, issues we're all experiencing, how to address those as a industry, and then also <coughs> things that we need to lobby for, whether it's with government or with private sector, banks, okay. law firms. And we try to raise the bar so that there's a consistent experience in terms of documentation. Sales and purchase agreements should pretty much look standardized right. apart from special aspects on a sale. So the idea of that working group truly is to try to come in and make sure there's a level of consistency and that you're operating at best practice. Okay. There's also a, a government advocacy group as well, committee that is really charged with connecting with government, lobbying for real estate policies and that okay. sort of thing as well. That's the government's been very, very good in the past to, yeah. uh, you know, at least meeting with us. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so you really do get a, a chance to work with stakeholders in the industry when you're part of that real estate division. Um, it's also one of the only avenues that truly helps to identify things in real estate in Bermuda. So okay. trends, you get to hear amongst each other, you know, how's your company doing? Uh, what are some challenges you're experiencing? And then that combined group as a lobbying group then goes and speaks to government or there's, you know, various entities that we need to try to improve the relationship okay. with. Thank you. Well, that flows very well into my next question then. <laughs> it's all about statistics. We talked about the data. Well, we touched upon it earlier, Buddy. Um, but do you feel we have adequate statistics for the real estate market here in Bermuda? Short answer is no. Okay. Um, the long answer is the data exists and the government has that data. But there are very few people, some of the valuers, of course, would do as well, um, uh, who actually collate that information. We do as a matter of course so that we can see and answer the questions you've just asked okay. you know, about trends and average prices and things over the, over the years. Um, so it's, it would be certainly advantageous if there was more of a clearinghouse of okay. sales data. Um, I know that you know, we don't have an MLS system here. We have Property Skipper, which is kind of the closest thing that we have right. to that. Um, and I know that they're, they're advocating for collating data as well. But um, I mean, essentially, what, what could be done to improve this? How, how do you feel? Well, from a comparables database, uh, you know, knowing what is sold for to who. Okay. And, um, and, and certainly from volume of business, knowing that and average pricing would be very, very valuable. And knowing just really what's happening in the market. What right. Is to, what is selling? Right. You know, is it residential? Is it condos? Is it land? Is it hotels? That sort of information. So we're kind of left to our own devices to try and pull that information together okay. uh, based on our own personal experiences in many cases. And Penny, as you mentioned at the um, Chamber of Commerce, there is a lobbying group and you all come together and discuss problems. 
How collaborative are the real estate agencies here in Bermuda? Is there transparency in data? Obviously, you talk about issues, but do you well, feel they're collaborative? It's a competitive advantage when you're doing a market share for which, especially if you're trading in different aspects, in rentals, okay. residential, commercial, <coughs> hotel tourism, you will see more of the market activity and therefore have more knowledge base to be able to draw right. pricing from, to be able to speak to what kind of demographic and profile of buyers. And it also gives you an understanding better of market conditions so that you can turn around and lobby with government on certain policies that are working, not working. Okay. And initiatives that we should be doing. Hey, banks, you know what? We don't have a lot of cash buyers. Let's talk about your, your profile or your lending portfolio. Um, <clears throat> but it's very difficult because we don't have that real-time data. Okay. And the relationship side between agencies and agents individually, um, you know, you, tie, you try to reach out to get some information, particularly if you weren't involved in a transaction. You're seeking an overview of how it's performing island-wide and you're reliant on someone sharing something personally right. with you. That doesn't always happen. And okay. you certainly don't always get full information. So it's very siloed. And in Bermuda, unless you have a repository of real-time data, the island does not have a real indication at any given point in time of accurate information. Do you think it's a possibility for that? Do you think we could ever reach a stage where we could receive? I think accurate? it should. Okay. Uh, and I'll say that Bermuda, to be competitive with other jurisdictions really ought to have a real-time data okay. source of information. And that means registering sales on time. That means it gets entered into land title registry office. So a central system that everyone can access. Correct, correct. And I understand that, you know, in order to get that data, there is a group that's reliant on it the most. It's part of what we do. You have to be able to scrub the data and understand, is it accurate? No duplicate entries, okay. no errors, human errors, as we say. Um, and that requires the working body to have a look over that information and suss it out. But there should be an independent entity that okay. is running that. Closest thing we have right now that tells us what is available you know, across the entire market through agents only happens to be Property Skipper, Gosh. right? Um, and not everything is on there. You still have things that happen off market. Sure. So it all depends. And that can be with or without an agent. Um, but you know, working with the agents and the brokerage firms is the only way to really understand what's happening in the market, at least to some degree. Okay. No, thank you for that clarity. Just to backtrack a little bit, uh, how do you go about pricing a house for sale? Well, with the relevant information, <laughs> uh, as, 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 as recent information as you possibly can um, uh, seek out, is you know is comparables, you know, knowing what else has traded in the market. And, okay. Um, that will give you a foundation for it. I mean, valuers, you, I know you've had valuers on here before. Yes, they're going to replacement value. That mm -hmm. doesn't always work in Bermuda because I, I personally believe that there, there isn't a property in Bermuda that you can't buy for less than replacement value. Okay. Uh, the way it is, uh, because construction is so expensive. So, uh, but generally, you have to look at what um, previous performance has been in the market. Current performance. Okay, and and what is your list to sell ratio? Perhaps you can quickly explain that what the list to sell ratio is. Well, the the sale price uh, divided by the um, listing price. Okay. And so, if that is um, over a hundred percent, then you know you're selling above listing price. Right. And uh, the last two years, we 
definitely seen that. And that is usually a result of people who've priced their property correctly in the first instance. Okay. Overpriced properties help to sell the competition. <laughs> so uh, the bottom line is that if it's priced properly, you'll get more interest. You'll likely attract more offers and in some cases attract offers over, <coughs> sorry, over asking. And okay. more particularly, you'll also see how long an asset sits on market. If it's incorrectly priced, it just chases just the market down. Right. We and people do it, lose interest. It Correct. If it doesn't sell, you have to fix the house or fix the price. Okay. Well, well, thank you for this amazing insight today. I think my final question, uh, the $6 million question, is what is the outlook for the residential and commercial market for 2023? Are we heading for a crash? No. Okay. In my opinion, I don't think we're going <clears> to... <throat> I think there are there could well be some form of recessionary activity, but um, I'm not an economist, as you've had on here before. But okay. uh, but I think that we're going to definitely see a slowdown. One, because the activity and the pen, post-pandemic frenzy can't continue forever. We have lower inventory. We have higher interest rates. Um, the stock market has not been performing in the last 12 months as it has, so you're not going to get the big bonuses. You're not going to get people buying properties the way they... Uh, the way it had in the past. So I would expect that we'll see a tapering off of uh, volume of business for sure. Okay. And, and if that means uh, lower prices, maybe, but it also means that our prices may remain f- relatively firm because there's so little inventory. Okay, because the demand will still be there for That's right. Areas. That's right. That's a nutshell. Okay, well, thank and you very much. So I'll add to that part on residential, there are also people who have looked to either upgrade, downsize their homes, and as they see interest rates rise, if they need to have financing, they look at their current situation and say, I've got a really good mortgage rate going on. I don't think I want to move in the market at this point in time, despite potentially having a functional need for a different type of piece of real estate. Uh, The decisions are delayed because of that. They'll wait out the market. Um, so in terms of commercial, I do see in commercial people make such astute business decisions that they are looking for a deal okay. and they will go through and buy something for the long hold. This is not an industry where you buy and flip, especially in Bermuda with construction costs being 40% higher right now. And so many people doing renos or new builds, um, you are trading in assets and looking at them, say, how can I repurpose this? And more particularly, what's my return going to be on it? And how soon am I going to get my return? So in commercial side, we have lots of reinsurance companies either choosing to expand their business because they were mid-sized or startups and they're doing really well now. And then the counterbalance is we have larger reinsurance businesses and insurance that have determined they're doing a lot of the remote work Yes. And hybrid spaces. They don't need as big a space as before. Correct. But what they are finding is there's hardly any class A, A plus space readily available that you can move into that's built out right now in trophy locations. And as a result, even though we might not need all that space, we're going to hang on to it for retention purposes should these employees come back into town. It's also a statement space. So those global businesses, they have more bandwidth to hold on to an asset. Unfortunately, what you are also seeing, though, are retail and smaller local businesses struggling to make rents. And so you're going to have a very two-tiered market in commercial. 
in terms okay. of rents. And it's going to be difficult for older buildings. Always has been if they do not start to do capital infusion and upgrade spaces. Also in this environment, it'll just Absolutely. increase that. It, your length of time sitting on market for rent is going to be extremely difficult. And you'll see a migration of people. The more spaces empty, people will start to upgrade from other parts of town and say, I'm going to go into a better building because the rent's lower. Right. And I might not need as fancy of a space. And they're going into class B and class okay. C spaces. So. You know, I think also on, that re- on the residential side, the, th- the word that's going to resonate with most people is affordability. And I think, as you mentioned, that people are not going to leave a low interest rate environment where no. they have a mortgage to move on to another property exactly. where they're going to have to pay more for it. So those kinds of things are going to add potentially to maybe even higher prices again. So yeah. people are going to think twice about uh, making that move. Their next move. Yeah. Well, the dynamics are changing so fast yeah. for everybody. Absolutely. Scenarios, so. And the profile of that buyer then becomes, okay, you know what, I'm going to hold off on these decisions now. And I'm going to make a decision based on the fact that, okay, do I absolutely have to do this? And is this the right price for me? Um, okay. So we're, we're seeing more people come off the gas pedal for okay. sure this year than what was happening in 2022. Okay, well, thank you both very much for this introduction, tip of the iceberg into, into your world and giving, providing us this vision. I'd like to thank Rego Sotheby International for being the sponsors of this podcast. And I'd very much like to thank both my guests, Buddy Rego and Penny McIntyre, for coming on today. I'm Shivani Sate, and I've been your host. You've been listening to the RG Podcast Network and the RG Business Navigate series with host Shivani Seth. Check the Royal Gazette for the next episode. Thank you for listening.